Life, hey ladies, Life Her Podcast want women to be themselves. It's nothing like taking that mask off and be you. We created this platform for women just like you. We don't judge other women, we uplift them. So listen to the stories of these amazing women that we are featuring this season. You are going to enjoy every moment of it. You may cry, you may laugh, but you will relate some form of fashion to motivate you. Hey ladies. This is Life Heard Podcast. I'm your host, Yvette Lloyd. And I have here with me is Lamia Singfield. How are you, Lamia? Yes, how are you? I'm fine. So how are things going today? You know, today is uh for the most part it's been blessed. Been trying, but it's been blessed. That's good. Um, what we have on this podcast here is basically a lot of women share their testimonies in life and we uplift and encourage other women also during these upliftings and encouragement. One of my questions to you is if someone could look inside your mind and will you be able to reveal your struggles from your past? Yes. So what I want to know is, can you just also just be transparent with everything that goes on, mm-hmm. like in your personal life and every yes, <clears throat> okay. So, what is one of your struggles that you have struggled the most within your past? Um, building my own confidence from being hurt from um, childhood um, with my looks um, and self esteem, I would say, and just feeling um, worthy or feeling accepted how did that how did that become like when did you notice your looks and your self-esteem because it don't come overnight Mm -hmm. so it could be to a point of something occurring into your life that make you start feeling that way um I think it was back like in I really didn't think nothing was wrong with me or I felt like ugly or anything till I got to I think it was like the sixth grade and I was going to good year and then I transferred over to Perkins mm-hmm. and it seemed like once I got there it was like a constant attack people you know was saying that I was ugly or you know I was black and some people made comments said you know that I look like Seely and I can remember I had this teacher I don't know if I'll say names but her name was Miss McDonald and she wrote my name on the board and she told me that my mom spelled my name wrong and I'm like what you mean my mom spelled my name wrong and she was like, your mom spelled your name wrong. And from this day forward, until you spell it correctly, the way I want you to spell it, I'm going to call you Lima. And from then on, people start calling me Lima Bean. And they just wow. start, it was just like, it never ended. But I, I didn't know then that was, that was like an attack of the enemy on who God was going to call me to be. But it had just seemed like it was just downward spiral from then. It really affected me to the point where I didn't like my skin color. You know, I would try, like I had like a lot of popular friends and I would try to walk like them and talk like Mm -hmm. them. And I never could really, you know, fit into that. And it just seemed like I was just dying to self um, and... I guess I don't like the word bullying, but it was like yeah. I was being yeah. bullied or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and then it just, but then it took more effect inside of me personally that um, in adulthood. So. Wow. So, what you going through these um, different changes while you're in the sixth grade, basically middle school? 
how did how was it at home with your parents? Were you able to confide into them and let them know what's going on with you? No, my mom was strict. I my I was raised in a single family household. Even though I did have a male figure there, my mom was just there. Uh, but my mom was strict. It was she wasn't that open to I could say or somebody talking about me or you know I had some I didn't have that um, I didn't have that in in my household. So you weren't able to express no, to I your wasn't mom. Able to tell her. So that had to been a real battle for you not to be able to communicate with your mom and tell her what's going on with you at school. Yeah, it was like um, it it began to be dark, you know, like I just felt just alone. Um, and then I couldn't really tell nobody because some people don't understand, you know, some people are stronger than other people. Mm-hmm. But then I always had this character of putting on a face, you know, like I'm okay mm-hmm. or whatever. Or like I get people, like now it just tripped me out how people come to me like, oh, well, you was this in school or you was mean or, you know, people were scared of you or people didn't want to talk to you or you just wow. cussed people out. I don't remember that. But I guess that was the exterior that I had put on subconsciously knowing like I didn't know people I didn't even know people even knew who I was right. <laughs> like, but I think that's just how I just covered it like I looked like I was okay yeah. but I wasn't okay but I've always been the okay friend I've always been the one that sit there and I can lift you up and I can but I needed somebody to come and say yeah. you know what you are pretty you mm-hmm. know you are this you are that so yeah so you were able to make friends and everything while you was in middle school. Yeah. How how did your friends treat you? Did they know you um, were being bullied at times? No. Wow. No. You know when I first realized that, I, you know what? The ironic thing about that was <laughs> is that my friends were bullying me too. Like I had this one girl. She was like my best, best friend. And on mm-hmm. the back end, she was doing me the same way. Wow that everybody else was doing but it was more than manipulative way to make me do what she wanted me to do and I didn't realize that until like a couple of years ago and I had another friend that just pretty just just pretty and um we'll go to different places it's like in adulthood we'll go different places and she'll sit there and see people talking about me and just be like oh it is what it is, or whatever. And I'm like, and I go home like, dang, you really my friend? You go sit here, you ain't have my back, or whatever. Right. But that was still a part of me, you know, of thinking that somebody had to lift me up when other people was mm-hmm. tearing me down. But it was a point where I had to start lifting my own self up. What and what point was that? What grade were you in when you just like, okay, I need. I wasn't a... in no grade. You wasn't. I wasn't in no grade. I was just just start happening. About five years ago. Oh, wow. To be truthfully honest, I have throughout relationships, like I have four kids. I have, you know, my kids' fathers or whatever, but I never, I always felt like I never was enough for nobody. I always felt like I had to buy my friendships, buy relationships. And it wasn't until me and my husband got married and him just pouring into me and telling me how beautiful I am and loving me the way that God has created the band to love me that I started pouring and like receiving it and receiving it for myself, I had to start looking at myself like, dang, I am pretty. Mm-hmm. I am this. I am this. Like, but it wasn't. It, it to be truthfully honest, it wasn't until I met Jesus Christ and I allowed God to form me into His image that I began to build myself up and learn who I was. But I do believe that the Lord used my husband to pour into me in a way that nobody else can pour into me. Now that's something real powerful. Yeah. A lot of people don't really <laughs> embrace that, and I could honestly say my husband was the one for me too. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. that started pouring to me, praying and everything. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ooh. It's just something different when you find somebody that is really, like, their heart is after Christ. Or if the Lord gave them assignment, or mm-hmm. their heart is in tune to Christ's heart. It's something different because they are able to see you in a different eyesight than anybody else are able to see you. Mm-hmm. I have truly never have felt this comfortable in myself and in my skin as I am now. Um, and I think the Lord should use my husband to do that. Like, I'm not I'm the baddest chick. Like, I know, I'm that's like, how you better yeah. claim it. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, can't tell, you can't tell me nothing. That's you can't good. Tell me nothing. But I had to see, I had to go back to the first point of hurt to be healed. Mm-hmm. I had to go through that first thing that what was it that door that opened that make me lose myself or make me feel that I wasn't worthy and it was that teacher writing my name mm-hmm. on, the, on board the board and telling me that my name was not what my mother had called me but what she didn't know was that my name was written in the book of life mm-hmm. and you can't tell me what my name is when Jesus has called me so I'm just like I just had to get that and be transformed and be remade into His image and be just made brand new and this has been a experience like no other. It's been hurtful mm-hmm. and I had to heal, but it's just been an eye opener. How was it um, during high school for you? Um, high school was okay. I had one girl that was just. On my neck, like I sit in my class. I had this teacher, you know, Coach Brown. (laughs) You know, I was a water girl, so you know, I had my way him. But this one girl, I'm not gonna say her name Mm -hmm. or whatever, but she, uh, she would sit behind me and talk me and talk about me, and I was sitting. I just sit with my head down, and I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know why I was so scared to say something to her. I think it was more if I was scared of what I would do to her. And I would just sit there and I just let her sit there and talk about me and talk about me and dog me out. And then like my later years, I'm sitting, I'm thinking about this stuff and the Lord's revealing this stuff to me. And I'm like, it wasn't me that she was mad at. It was something that was attached to me that she was mad at. And she couldn't take it out on this person. So she just take it out on me or whatever. But the divine thing about this, about that is as bad as she hurt me. As bad as she sat there and talked about me and would just really, really harm me, the Lord used me in her life. Um, I know this time she was sick and I seen her in the hospital. Wow. And the Lord said, pray for her. And I'm like, I ain't about to pray for her. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even care for her. Yeah. And the Lord was like, pray for her. And I just pray for her. I just pray for her. And I, the Lord like, that's why the devil didn't want y'all to be together that's why all this took place as you knew at one point in time she needed your prayers Mm -hmm. and you know a lot of people don't understand even though people dislike you they hurt you in life they are hurting you Mm -hmm. in different things of that nature if you pray for that person that makes you feel better with Mm -hmm. yourself within Mm -hmm. and you know what do you think about how now today people think as far as prayer doesn't work or why do they pray all the time and how do you feel about that now? How society, some people in society think like that? Well, I think that um, everybody had to have their own their own relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, people think that prayer don't work. Well, this is according to your faith. 
you know, your prayer, your faith bring the manifestations of what you give to Jesus Christ. He tells us to leave our cares and worries at the throne. But if you never leave that there and you never trust him with it, how can he manifest what he wants on your life? He tells us in his word that we are supposed to pray at all times. He tells us to cease, pray without ceasing. And um, the problem is, is that people tend not to be patient when we pray God's timing is perfect and sometimes we have to go through some things like even with me and my self esteem and the things I've been through as a child some stuff didn't happen when it was supposed to when I thought it should happen but it all worked together for the good because I was able to God was able to come into my life and reveal some areas of my life and my heart that needed to be healed and sometimes we don't have patience enough to endure that trial or endure that test so he can manifest great in us so he can teach us his word so we can have a new relation with him to be built up in his image but you're supposed to pray and anybody that's telling you not to pray then you need to check their relationship with Christ and you're not mm -hmm. supposed to listen to them. You do what you need to do on your own. Everybody had their own walk. Yes. Everybody had their own talk. Some people's stuff is not like yourself. That's why he calls it set apart. Mm -hmm. You don't understand that you're set apart for one thing, for God to use you, for God to heal you, for God to restore you. So your prayer is your divine relationship or your intimate session with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. so. And you, you got to be consistent with them too. Yeah. And, and you can't just pray him. for God. Pray when you want when Him to do something him. for Him. Yes. You're supposed to speak to Him even when he, you feel like He's not doing nothing for you. Don't just use Christ. Mm -hmm. we have a lot, in this day, people just use Him. Mm -hmm. They don't sit there and get the fullness of Him. They don't sit there and say, Lord, what can I give to you? Well, He's not asking too much for you. He just wants you to give what you can't handle on your own. He right. wants you to be able to trust Him. That's all He He's not telling you to do X, Y, Z. He ain't telling you to go over, jump, jump off the bridge, and then I manifest. That's not what He asks mm -mm. you. He's telling you, trust me. He wants our trust. He wants our faith. He wants us to lead Him. But the problem is, is that we don't take enough time to step behind Him. No, at all. Just taking that time out with them. It, all it takes is a split second, you yeah, know. That's yeah. just like people just avoiding things in life. Mm -hmm. And when they can really just keep going and ask him. Yeah. You, you got to ask him for forgiveness because we don't know what See, sins now, we now are sinning. Now you want a subject that people don't want to embark on. Mm -hmm. The subject of forgiveness. Yes. And some people don't even understand the magnitude and what kind of breakthrough you will have with forgiveness. And people think that you're supposed to go to that person that mm -hmm. you got to out with and say, oh, I forgive you. Mm -mm. No, it don't work like that because most of the time they don't even know that they have offended you or they're in their own mess. So you wanted somebody that offended you and they don't even know they offended you. Like, oh, I forgive you. Then you wonder why they got an attitude. The forgiveness wasn't for them. The forgiveness mm -hmm. for you mm -hmm. to have peace. For God to go into their heart and yes. transform them. But until you understand and build a relationship with Christ and know his forgiveness, that he forgave you and he caused us to forgive people seven times over, then you would never be able to forgive your enemy. You would never be able to forgive somebody else because you have not experienced the forgiveness of Christ. And that experience is something that is take you to another, another level it's, it's like we like yes. we don't even understand god be so upset with us when we mess up but he never closed his arms his doors mm -hmm. on us he never shut us out he never turned his back on us and we could always go back to him but when we somebody offend us we close the door mm -hmm. we never go back to that person we never sit there and try to reconcile because we're angry mm -hmm. but what if jesus christ is like that towards us where would we be and that's only if you believe. Yeah. Where would you be if he say, I'm just going to leave you out there 
to hang and dry you on your own. I don't forgive you. I hate you mm-hmm. or whatever. Where, where will we be? But this is a good thing about Jesus Christ that he loves us. And his word says that he never leave us nor forsake us. And and he just he, he has an unconditional love for us that people can't give us. And we all. have to learn that so we can pour that out. <laughs> Yes. The best thing that I could do, that was forgiveness that the Lord had me when this girl in school would taunt me and talk about me. And I had to go to her and pray for her and her mm-hmm. time and need. That wasn't me. That right. was the forgiveness of Christ in me. How can I go and pray for somebody that hurt me? Well, you know how? Because Jesus Christ loved me so much that he gave me an assignment. He said, okay, leave that. Put that down. Mm-hmm. Put it down. Go pray for her because she needs you more than you need her. Yeah, so that's where that forgiveness saying you gave your forgiveness for that teacher. Yeah. And all those yeah. students that bullied you and yeah. talked about you, but it carried on with you for a long yeah. time. Yeah. A really long time. So what was your experience like when after you graduated from high school? Um I wouldn't say it was bad. I mean I had relation relationship issues, you know, because mm-hmm. having kids and you know, their father is just not wanting to have anything to do, you know, with my kids. But other than that, I was cool. Did I, it I did it hurt cool. you that your kids weren't able to have a father that, that you oh, wanted them to have? Of course. But I had to take accountability um, for my actions in that. Because sometimes, you know, when you out here and you, you know, you're doing a do, you know, what we all do. Mm-hmm. I ain't perfect. Yeah, I was having relations out of um, wedlock. Like I was doing all that kind of stuff. I was loving it, but it was in lust. Mm-hmm. And I thought what I thought was to be was not supposed to be. You know, I'm thankful for all my kids. Mm-hmm. But I think I would have came out better if I just would have held myself. And did what the Lord asked me to do, keep a covenant with him. Right. And I wouldn't have all these, um, you know, all the problems that I did have. Um, but then I understood that that was a generational curse that needed to be broken. Oh, I mean, especially on my life. My father denied me. Um, and then, you know, what happened to two out of my four Mm-hmm. I'm like, that gotta stop. You know, where do it stop? But I had to understand that, you know, first off, the battle is not too big for God. But who else would it be better to break the generational curse off mm-hmm. of off of my kid's life? What I admire about your whole conversation is the is the fact that, you know, some some people just point the finger a lot. You did this to me. You did that to me. Why did you do this to me? How could you do this to me and everything? But it's like, in a sense, you're taking accountability of yourself, mm-hmm. too. And that's where a lot of people got to realize that is the strength of the mind mm-hmm. and the power that God has when you build a relationship with, mm-hmm. with him to get you through many things. Mm-hmm. And people really don't understand that. So that is like really, really good entity that you have the fact that you are taking accountability like okay it's it's not just the fact that they did this to me but I have to readjust my energy I gotta readjust my mind I gotta readjust you got to readjust so many things for you to get to the point where you are today at peace oh yeah but see this is the thing people don't know how to take accountable accountability for their self we spend so much time blaming 
other people for our life situations that we stay stuck in that blame game. We stay stuck in holding them accountable for what they did to us, but what do we allow to happen? You know, I could easily say, oh, well, you, you know, you got me pregnant and you left me with these kids and you not doing X, Y, Z. I could easily say that. But then I could easily say, well, you knew to put a condom on. Mm -hmm. You knew to have birth control. Well, you knew if this happened on this one, why did you go get it? With, why are you going to make another one with this one if you knew this was this person's mm -hmm. track record? Well, I knew all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I was still in lust. Oh, I needed this. I needed that. You know, and being selfish or whatever. So then there, com there comes that comes calamity. Yeah. It comes a trickle down effect. But when you start taking account accountability for your own issues, then you grab a hold of that thing. You take control of it. And when you have control over that situation, ain't no demon, no devil, no, mm -mm. nothing in hell is going to be able to stop what God has on your life. It got to fall mm -hmm. because you have taken back the power over that thing. And then even in that, it came a point where I had to have, like for my first two kids, that I had to have a level of forgiveness for him. Wow. And it wasn't going to him saying, I forgive you. Right. It was, it was a forgiveness me in Christ. And I'm able to be like, oh, you don't want to, okay, X, Y, Z. But I, one thing that I admire about my mother is that, and when she taught me, she never talked bad about my kids, my father in front of me. I had to find that's out. That's how my him. mom was. Yeah, yeah, on my own. Like, you going to learn this on your yeah. own. And I'm going to let you figure it, it out. Yeah. And that's how it was back in the day. Like, yes. women didn't talk about the mess with that they was having with their mm -hmm. kids' father. They let you find it on your own. Yeah, yep. it hurt, but they, they didn't want to have their mouth on that. And I think that's the problem with the generation. Yes, We're so is. busy downing this person that we don't even know that it's affecting our kids or whatever. So that's one thing I don't even do to my kids. I always tell my kids, my, my son and my daughter, my first um, kid's father, I never talk about him in front of them. And y'all will respect him. Mm -hmm. You know, if he knock on the door and yes. he say, can I get my kids? Oh, yeah, you can have your kids. You know, if his life was all crazy, no, you can't because I have a I have obligation to protect them. But even now, you know, with my daughter being sick and, you know, him denying her or whatever. Listen, this your daughter. Spend time with her. Do whatever. But he or my kids can never say that I downed him in front of them. Mm -hmm. Y'all going to figure him out for y'all yep. But I'm not gonna put my mouth in it. I'm not gonna do that because my kids are not gonna have, are not gonna be able to come to me and say, "Well, you stopped this from happening. Mm -hmm. You didn't let them. You didn't let me see my dad. No, no, no. Uh, uh. All you will ever see me do is when he knock on the door, go with your dad. You know, you if you call, see your dad, talk to you your dad. Yeah. yeah. So you know, then it it cuts off the mess. It does. It cuts and, off the and mess it creates and a peaceful home. Yeah. Yeah. Too with kids because. My, that's how my mom was. She mm -hmm. already knew how my dad was, but I just she just let me think the world of him mm -hmm. until like as I got older and older, I'm like, dang, dang, right. and she still didn't say nothing bad, even though I expressed how I felt. Yeah. She just tried to find ways to make it better for me to feel good about it. And I really like that you did that. And I always said I was going to be that type of mother if I got in that situation. Also, because people don't understand, like, what you feed into your kids, that affect them during a childhood. And it comes on into their adulthood yeah. as well. And then it becomes a stronghold. And do you wonder why they can't break free? Well, what did you speak over them? Mm-hmm. You know, Ain't there's one thing, there's no perfect person. And one thing that we have to understand when you go and you have these kids out of wedlock, and even it's, even it's not even out of wedlock because some people are marriages and their kids like, just messed up. But when you start opening up this door for one, the system is set up for 
single parents to fail. Just mm. put that out there. Yes, it is. You know, and men don't understand how. And then they be mad. You know, they end up being mad at the mother. Well, like me, I was 17 when I got pregnant with my son, my oldest son. Mm-hmm. I had my 18. So I immediately was on the system. Ain't no shame in my game. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was on the system. So with that being said, when you're single and they put you on the, on the system, you're on the system. Well, the system, the government wants somebody to pay their money back. Yeah. Well, who are they going to come? Because you're saying that you don't have no money. Mm-hmm. So then they go say, well, you got to put this man on child support so you can get this income coming in your household. Mm-hmm. Then they say, well, we're going to offer you a house or whatever. You can stay in subsidized housing so you can be on your own saying that you're getting on your feet. But that man can't come into that house. Mm-hmm. Then you got this man sitting here first off, you put him on child support. Then he mad because he probably don't even got enough money to make that. He trying to make ends meet. And then mm-hmm. after that. Then he can't even come into this house because if he comes into this house, you lose your house. That's a whole nother problem. So now you sitting there wondering why he ain't paying his child mm-hmm. support or whatever. He can come into this house and then y'all got all kind of friction and then y'all got this little child right here. Yeah. Watching all this stuff and that child is because this isn't the child is in your household. He's going to, the child is going to generally gra- um, gravitate towards your yes. emotions. So now that that child is seeing what you're feeding him, he's going to, he or she is going to look at that father and have a problem with that father. Mm-hmm. But this is the stuff that the system don't even tell you that's in the no. back end. And you know, a lot of people is not logically thinking about the system doing this, breaking yeah. homes. Well, why do they call it single family household? See? Look at the word on top. It's single, single. family household. <laughs> yep, not together. Because, you know, if you together in a household, they're not offering you nothing. Nothing at all. Because the broken homes keep things keep re- going yes. within the government system. And yes. a lot of people don't realize that. And then you got some parents, you can make like 25 cent over the budget. <laughs> And you got to pay for all this. So sometimes it create parents only work part time only or work only a few hours or throughout the week. Not no 80 hours a week. Yeah. And it's, it's it's a lot that comes with that it comes, will yeah. make some scared to come out and do something totally different and make their lives better. Yeah. So did I was you, having this conversation, not to cut you off. That's I had okay. this conversation earlier today with my friend. I said the biggest blessing is when I stepped out on faith and left subsidized housing. Wow. That was that was the biggest blessing for me. And I have not looked back. <laughs> I, I have not looked back. Uh, if I got a struggle, I'm going to struggle. But I'm not going to let somebody, something be a stronghold on me or have that much power over me that I can't get out. Mm-hmm. I can't do or whatever. And I just believe by faith that we was going to make it. And I ain't been on subsidized housing in like 10 years wow that's good like 10 years and i've just been so thankful it's been like a release um mm-hmm. a release off it ain't been easy mm-hmm. but i'm thankful and you know it's crazy i was looking at um how my mom like survived so many years because she worked seasonal for the city of akron and when she first started the city of akron she was making four dollars an hour and then my mom ended up doing this class. I don't know if you ever heard of Mustard Seed where yeah. you could go and get a house and yeah. they help you. Mm-hmm. She ended up doing that. And she was um, she ended up becoming permanent when I was in the sixth grade, mm-hmm. becoming permanent for the city. And she was only making eight dollars and 50 cents then. But she was still able to get a home. Because during that whole time, we was living on government housing ourselves. Yeah, looking at you, you wouldn't even have seen that. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I've seen that. Like, no. No. Like, I'm thinking throughout school. 
girl listen i didn't i was in like golly and you know i was sitting there thinking like dang my mom's sitting here raising me and my brother but she trying to make sure we have the things that she want us to have and she not really making nothing and we living in the projects and all that and she hid a lot of things from us because she want us to be just our child like if we're 12 she wants us to be 12 she didn't want us to be older than we were supposed to so it's like really and it was inspiring and it was so amazing on how you could see a woman that spent on things that we needed instead of what she wanted yeah i noticed one time my mom only i i never knew that we was on welfare i knew people around us was on welfare but i never knew my mom was on welfare and I remember one day we had walked to the store. We were staying on Hickory. And it was one night we just we was walking to the store. And I remember she was like, you get all the honey buns. You know, like sweet mm-hmm. stuff. That was the first time. I didn't realize this till I think I was in my 20s that we really didn't have nothing to eat. Wow. And she was taking her last to get us through the next. I remember her saying, well, tomorrow we, have, we can get something else to eat. Mm-hmm. But that was her waiting for her. Her food stamps to come in. Yeah. And that was so powerful. And I even do that to, with my kids. And I'm like, like, my kids don't be knowing like, when we be struggling. Yeah. I be like, hey, we just we can't get this right now. But they never know. Like, they never mm-hmm. know. Because you can do it so smooth. But you raise them to be so grateful for yeah. whatever they receive. Yeah. And a lot of people don't understand that when you keep your kids out of adult conversations and adult things, things could go a lot more smoother as far as them on their thought process yeah. on trying to but get that's the through. We're too busy letting our kids be our best <gasps> yes. friends instead of being kids. Yes. We're involving them in our life and our situation, but their mind is not able to handle what we can handle. I'm going to tell you this. If I would have known the stuff that I was going through, I would have to go through in life. You remember back in the day when the grandparents went, remember when everybody started having kids? And my sister had my oldest nephew at 14, 15. Mm-hmm. And I remember my grandparents, like, babies having babies. Yeah. Babies having babies. And that replaced to me. They, that was wisdom. Mm-hmm. And they knew what was coming. We didn't, Your mind is not able at a young age to grasp what you're about to go into. Mm-hmm. It's cute. It's oh, cute. Yeah. Baby showers is cute. It's cute getting pregnant. It's cute all the love. It's cuter now. Yeah. <laughs> it's cuter now than ever. It's cuter That's now. That's because parents are being too much. And I ain't trying to down nobody. What you do is what you do. But we're being too much of our kids' friends. I tell my kids all the time, I ain't your friend. Mm-hmm. I want you to be able to come and talk to me. But I'm not going to talk to you on the level that I'm on. And I'm not going to down my, you know, drop myself to be on your level. We can't, no, we just can't. I can't be your friend. Mm-hmm. Because now I make you grow up too much. I have too much wisdom. My life is too much for what you See, I are think, able to embrace. I think it's like um, from like a era of like our full generation. I think it was like so many of our parents were so strict on us. And now that they are parents, they trying not to be how their parent was. And they like, I ain't going to be little mom like this. When I get older, I'm going to be like this for my kids. I'm going to be cool with my kids Mm -hmm. and stuff. But it's not really not working. It's not Because it's creating. When your kids start having kids, it start creating a a real bad toxic generation (laughs) going on there. But that's what we have now. You know, Mm -hmm. even in school... No, we had our couple of kids that oh, yeah. was off the hook. Definitely. But. It was limited. It, and it wasn't a lot. 
And you knew when your parent came into that school, our hair was about to about kick to off. Go down. Like, it, like you knew when that parent came in, they was about to get their butt kicked. Right? It wasn't none of and that. Everybody knew somebody's parents. Yeah, yeah. And when it wasn't all that, I'm cussing you out. I'm calling my mom and my mom, like the teacher, like, I'm gonna take your phone. Well, I'm calling my mom. It wasn't none of that. Mm-mm. Now, one thing I do with my kids is I listen. When I go to school, I'm coming up for business. You embarrass me, will embarrass you. Whether I think that you're right or I think that you're wrong, me and that teacher go stand together as one. Now, if I think they're wrong, I'm going to make you go to the car and I'm going to check them right then and there. But you're never going to be in the front. You're mm-hmm. never going to see that because I don't want you to see that division. Because once kids see that y'all not on one accord, they about to come in there and they about to just have they way and that's how it is even in marriages with children yeah kids know you know they know they just looking for that door to say Mm -hmm. oh okay well i know this work but i'm about to do this and i'm about to do this and you ain't gonna be able to say this or you ain't gonna be able to say that so i think it's it, it has to come a time in the generation when our generation have to come back and say you know what and it's a we messed up Mm-hmm. We messed up. Let's go back. You know, we don't have to be as strict as they no. was. You know, at least put some of them, them that fear. Yeah, and in that's there. what it is. But when you when you lose that, if you, when the kids lose that fear for you, then your authority is gone. Yeah, and then you wonder. That's why you can't be your kids' friends. Cause once you cross that, yeah. Because I remember like, adults used to be like, "I'm gonna tell your mom, no, no, don't tell my mother." Right. Now these kids, I don't care. Call her, parents, yeah. yeah, so it's like a big difference. Yeah. So, like, with your kids, how many kids do you have? I have four from me, and I have cause I have um, cause of my nephew, which is my nephew's son, mm-hmm. and um, all together, me and my husband is eleven. Really? Yeah. That, I mean, it may sound weird. I'm about to say this, but that sounds like it's fun, though. At the same time, even though it could be challenging, I don't know. I like big families. Maybe I always <laughs> wanted a big family. Yeah, I always I did like that. I wanted I wanted a husband that had kids. I, I just wanted to have a big family. Now it can be trying, but for I'm just so thankful because our kids is not like off the hook. Like we got a couple of you know that might be you know a little bit in, in mm-hmm. the streets or whatever. But if all of her, I tell people not because you know I do hair mm-hmm. and you know I do hair at home. And my clients be like, well, how many kids you got? And I'm like, well, there's seven right here. And they be like, where? <laughs> like, you don't even know it's a no. kid in our house. Our house is so silent. Yeah, or whatever. Because don't know. It, you could walk in there and you won't never even know that they're there. So I can say, you know, we got some good, you know, we got some some good kids. You it know, we could got be the, worse. It could be worse. And, and that's where that worse. prayer comes in. Man. That you, y'all keep y'all's house anointed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Your kids prayed nothing, up. Yep. But it's nothing but, but God. Now, I ain't going to say it's been... It's been easy. It hasn't been easy because, you know, like my husband has kids. I have kids and we're trying to come in together in one household. So that part hasn't been easy bringing everybody together as one because you have outside, you know, mm-hmm. outside stuff. But for the most part, all our kids is respectful. Um, you know, they had their little bumps in the road, but they know. Mm-hmm. You know, they know and they're very appreciative. And I mean, so I can't say nothing bad about That's them. That's good. You know, but our house is different. Our house is like <laughs> different. Like, you know, my daughter has a brain injury mm-hmm. from an asthma attack. So we got that set apart, you know, that thing right there. And then, you know, just, it's just, I can't even explain. It's so So much do the thing. other kids help you with her or help the, you know, yeah. to um, create them? You know, sometimes when. Kids see their sibling going through something. They try to step in, you mm-hmm. know, and try to take a 
a load off of you and your husband for taking yeah. care of her. Ironically, our youngest daughter, the one that my daughter, that me and my husband got together, she thinks that she's my daughter's mother. What? <laughs> like, she thinks, like, so how old is she? She will be eight next week. Oh, and Lord. she's like eight going on 58. But it's unique because before my daughter had her brain injury, my daughter took care of her. And it seemed like the roles had reversed. So mm-hmm. now that my daughter in her healing and she like, hey, I'm 17. I know my mind. I ain't, ain't nothing wrong with me. Now it's like they're fighting for the dominance of who is older, who's the protector mm-hmm. or whatever. So that's interesting. Um, when my daughter had her brain injury, it was only my youngest son and um, my daughter and my two of my stepsons that was there. My oldest two, they wasn't there. So mm-hmm. now they're like, they don't understand you know. So was she just had an asthma attack? Yeah, she had an asthma attack and died for 22 minutes. Oof. Yeah, and because of the result of her asthma attack and died for 22 minutes, she had got um, she had endured a traumatic brain injury. Mm-hmm. And um, the type of brain injury she has is one that is they don't know what to do. They don't know what's to come. So we're in year, we want in year eight. Mm-hmm. Since everything happened, and still doctors don't know what to do, but she's continuously recovering. Like she mm-hmm. had no recovery; she wasn't supposed to recover. She was supposed to be a vegetable. Really, the rest of her life. Did she start off as a vegetable though? With her brain injury. Yeah. Or when? She, like when she came up out of it, you know, because she um, was she in a coma, right? Yeah, she was in a coma for <clears throat> three weeks. She mm-hmm. was in a coma for three weeks, but she was really comatose in the mind for three years. Wow. So even though she her body was healing, mm-hmm. her mind wasn't healing. Um, but so was she able like when she was like that was she able to move any body like her arms legs started, communicate or anything of that nature? Yeah, well she had to relearn how to walk, had to relearn how to talk, had to, she had to relearn everything. It was like wow. going through an infant stage again. So three months in, she started moving her legs. She didn't start walking to a year later. She wow. didn't start talking to about a year later. Um, walking fully on her own, it was like year two. Um, um, she been that had like nineteen procedures and surgeries all together to get her body back because when her brain injury had set in, her head had arched to the heels of her feet. Oh wow! Like if you picture this, like a backward back seat. seat, yeah. And it was like she gonna be like that for the rest of her life. And I'm like, hmm. the devil was a liar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this is not, this is not what it's gonna be. They said she was an orphan case. I'm like, why y'all call her orphan? Case? We don't know what to do with her. And so I'm like, well, my guy said that he's gonna heal her, and they're like, you're crazy. She's so, what? Well, how do they feel now with them seeing her today? I'd have had doctors come up to me and tell me, thank you for building their faith. I'd have had doctors come up to me and say, um, thank you for going against us. Um, and when she walk into the hospital, they just be like, they be shocked. Like, they they just be so shocked. And they always want her to come up there, you mm-hmm. know, so people can actually see her, um, see who, you know, see her, see her progression because she wasn't supposed to be. So anytime she go up there, it's like even something minor, like her main floor nurses and doctors and stuff come down and they just really want to see like, what is she doing now? Mm-hmm. You know, her doctors is still baffled. Or whatever. So it's been a it's been a traumatic but a baffling great experience. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm glad God gave it to me. 
How did you, how did your mental transfer when you had to deal with your daughter being in that situation? I could truly say that if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't be standing, sitting here talking to you. I should be in somebody's nut house somewhere. I should be in somebody's psych ward and all on top of all kind of medicines. Um, I think the first, when it first happened, I was in a state of shock for like two weeks. They kept telling me what was going on. I'm like, nah. I'm thinking we just going, she you know, had a normal asthma attack, going home in three days. Well, in the third day, I looked up and I seen all these machines, and I'm like, we're not going home. And then when they start giving me the reports and the reports, it just like something supernatural came over me. Like, I knew this wasn't the sentence that God had for my life and for my kids. And I'm like, okay, Lord, you got to do something up in here. Like, I'm not taking my daughter home the way they say that she is. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not leaving. He was like, something. he said, look, tell them. Them doctors that got all their wisdom, tell them that I said I was going to totally heal them. And I'm like, what? You want me to go to these doctors and stuff and tell them that? <laughs> he was like, have faith. Mm-hmm. Go in there. Now, at Children's Hospital in the ICU, every morning at 7 o'clock in the morning, they bring all the families outside. Yeah. And you stand there and you wait for the report for yeah. the doctors. They take forever. Too. Yeah. So I'm standing there and I'm like, Lord, you want me to say this? And he's like, you about to look crazy. But tell them. And I told him, they're like, you crazy. She would never heal. I said, well, you don't know my God. Mm-hmm. And the Lord has been doing what He said He's gonna do. Now these last three years have been trying because, like I said, her body was healing, but her mind wasn't healing. Uh huh. So we have been through stages of schizophrenia. Wow. We've been through stages of depression. We've been through stages of anxiety. Um, and I can tell you honestly, nothing healed my daughter except for the Word of God. No medicines. The doctors. Couldn't give me no medicines or anything. It was nothing but the word of God. I was just speaking this stuff over her and having her speak it over herself. And mm-hmm. no schizophrenia, no de- um, depression, no anxiety. And I'll tell you this, she don't no longer have asthma either. What? Now that is amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how did how is she feeling? Is she accepting how she is and and is like creating her to motivate herself to get better? Um, or do she have her moments? She, she feel her down. Moments, social anxiety because, like, when my daughter was ten, she was the most popular person in her school. Okay. So from her going, she lost three years with her mind being gone. So her going back to school, she was out of school for a year. And let me say this: her friends watched her transition, her transition, because they would come into the hospital, or if she had, like, they had a field trip at the Aero Stadium, I would rule, I roll her over there so mm-hmm. she can still be involved and stuff. And um, she went through this point where she was just, I, I want to say it was social anxiety, where she wouldn't even speak to nobody. And they would be, you know, like even like getting there, like most of her friends can get their hair done and they'll speak to her and she'd be like, mm, and just walk off. And then nobody mm-hmm. know, I'm like, why are you being mean? Talk to your friends. So they start backing off. Because they didn't know how to approach her anymore mm-hmm. or whatever. So she went through this thing of social anxiety where she really declined in her, you know, just declined in her health. But now she be in school clowning. What? Do she, she? Be, she be in school clowning. They be laughing at her. She be just like them. They be up there acting the food. She be up there acting the food with them. And then I got to come up there and get you back in your place. We're not going to do this. Like, girl, we're, <laughs> we're not, not about to do that. this. Yeah, because before her brain injury, like, she was just, she was... She was off the hook. Like, she was my child that, you know, she was fighting everybody. The littlest thing in the pack, but she was fighting, you know. (laughs) And uh, she was just, 
she was just that child, you know, that child. And for that to happen to her and, you know, she's not, she wasn't come back to the same place that she was. Of course, you would go through that because you're like, well, what happened? You mm-hmm. know, now, now if you looked at her, you wouldn't even tell nothing that she'd been through. You could look at a picture of her and see her. The only way you gonna know that she went through something is when she talked because her speech is a little bit kind of delayed or whatever. But you wouldn't even know that it happened to her. Or whatever, uh-huh. unless somebody, unless I told you, right? You wouldn't right. even know. So you know, she she go through them things sometimes when she was like, oh, you know, her old friends don't talk to her, but now she go up to them and be like, hey, <laughs> what's going on? Uh-huh. Or whatever. So you know, it's been it's been traumatic to watch um, as a mother watch your ch- your child go through so many ups and downs. Because after like year three, year four of her brain after her brain injury, she was cool. Mm-hmm. And then the social anxiety kicked in. Now, this is what happened. And this is how you got to watch when people speak over. Just like that teacher <sighs> spoke over me. Yes. She had went to book, though. She had a ninth grade year. And she went to talk. Now, after her brain she didn't know nothing was wrong with her. She just jumped back up into the speed of things. Mm-hmm. And she had went to talk. And this boy talked about her voice. And it had been a decline from me. Wow. And then she went into this, you know, this, this depression. And then the enemy started messing with her mind. Mm-hmm. And she went through, like, it looked like it was, like, schizophrenia. And ain't been diagnosed that. But I know the signs of schizophrenia or whatever. And then she just went through all this stuff or whatever. And now we just, she back to herself. It's her 12th mm-hmm. grade year. And you wouldn't even, if, I'm telling you, if I, if I never open my mouth and say a thing, that's been going on. Because she know. looked so pretty. What was that? Homecoming? Yeah, homecoming. She looked too cute. <laughs> and you good to her nothing. Man. <laughs> Listen, you know, you always be wondering, like, how your kid doing in school? Is that? Because, like, with her, I'd be like, is she socializing with people? Mm-hmm. You know, the teachers would be like, they'd tell me, like, oh, yeah, she be doing this. But if you don't never see it. It's hard for you to believe it sometimes. Mm-hmm. So my husband had to go to homecoming because my nephew knew nobody wanted to go. And I'm like, well, she don't got no date. She about to walk in there by herself. Or <laughs> <laughs> whatever. So my husband had took her and he had um went live on Facebook mm-hmm. and was sending me videos of her dancing and just looking around. He was like, Hey, she up here to dance with her friends. Or <laughs> right now I'm, I'm, my nephew showing me Snapchat. I'm like, hey, hey, if she can get there on the floor bending over twerking and stuff, go snatch her up. <laughs> go snatch her up. Like when are you about to get down like that? But it was such a blessing to just for to see her having know, like, fun. Yeah, little like, yeah, you okay. You know, you you got this. You good. You know, I don't gotta worry right. no more. Like you you good, good. So it's just been to that night was just it was just a blessing on so, so many things. When you like, I thought healing her body was bad. Mm. I thought, I thought the first stages when her brain injury set in was bad. That wasn't nothing compared to what I just seen these last three years of her healing her mind. Her mind. Yeah, it's on her mind. The mind is who the mind is powerful. Yeah, but one doctor told me this when her brain injury set in. He was like. He told me this and always stuck with me. He said, the mind is ever learning. He said, the only reason why people don't come out of depression, anxiety, brain injuries, and, you know, when they're diagnosed with MRDD and all that, he was like, because nobody teach them from where they're from. They teach them from what they're, what they're not. Wow. Most powerful thing. Mm-hmm. So I told her, teach yourself, hey, 
She might have a decrease right here, but don't stop there. Yeah. Ask her a question. Teach her from there. You know, show her there. So I never look back at what she lost. Right. I never look back at what she couldn't do. Okay, what can you do? And okay, let's go. So how did it help you? Because, you know, after you dealing with something like that personally, and then, you know, you still have your everyday life that you have to do, too. So how how did it create you to have many changes with your own mental, yourself? Oh. And you have to put things aside. You know, how how are you? I can honestly say I'm good. I don't think I went through a day of depression. Mm-hmm. I didn't go through a day of, you know, just feeling bad. Guilt did try to set in, but I can't be guilty of something I ain't had no control over. Mm-hmm. Um but it, I'm gonna be truthfully honest. It's nothing but Jesus. I I can't. There's I can't. I can't even put in the words my mindset. Mm-hmm. I can't because it's not me. It's like it's an outer body experience. It's something that is. It can't be described. I can't. It's it's nothing that I can say. But I can say I am better than I have ever been in my life. That's good. I think throughout this transition, over the past seven years, I have really found who God has called me to be. I've picked myself up. I done healed from so much stuff from my life, mm-hmm. um, from my childhood. And if I don't think I would have been in that place if this never took place. You know, I got this, um, you know, I have this thing of turning your pain into power. Mm-hmm. But it's like, for some reason, I can't take myself backwards into depression. I have to make something out of what I'm feeling and turn it into power and learn from it and for me to move forward in life. You know, it's it's different. Like, people really need to take time out for themselves to build their mindset up and deal with their, you know, spirituality and just understand it it doesn't matter. Like, you know, some people don't believe in God. They have another God. Mm -hmm. But it's like you still have to go to it to the point where you have to make sure you're okay. Yeah. And I, I see a lot of lot of men and women, they don't make sure that they are okay. They don't get that healing aspect of it and release all the things that they keep going through. Because mm-hmm. it don't stop, right. you know. I, put a, I made a stat the other day on Facebook and I said, <laughs> um, what did I say? I said, you got to get it out. You got to release because if you don't release, you begin to keep stuff in that don't belong to you. And mm-hmm. you begin to not be toxic to other people, but toxic towards yourself. Mm-hmm. And you start to look it too. Yeah. Yeah. Because what's on the inside is going to come on the outside. Yes. So you will. always have to be. See, the one thing that the Lord taught me is that he promises a sound mind. He promises peace. And some things, some things in your life is there to try to rob you of your peace and your joy. And one of the problems is, is that we don't look forward, but we always look backwards. Mm-hmm. And you have to release the past to go into the future. If you never release what hurts you, then you're going to be bound by what hurts you. I can sit here and be like, oh, that lady did this. She called me this. Well, people mm-hmm. call you stuff all, all, all the days of your ain't life. Ain't going to be the first. Ain't going to be, be the last. last. <laughs> or whatever. So is you going to let them dictate where you're going? Are you mm-hmm. going to let that be such a stronghold on your life that you begin to be stopped? Like, you're trapped in what somebody said. No, release that. Let them be them because they living their life. Mm-hmm. They doing what they need to do. And you sitting here stuck and you're mad at everybody else. 
But you have the power. You have the authority to break them chains off your life. You have the power to govern what you do and what you don't mm-hmm. do. You know, we have to protect our ear gates and our eye gates. Well, it's time now. Protect your ear gates and your eye gates. Mm-hmm. Forget about what they said. Let that go. Get free in the inside. Get cleansed in the inside. Give it to God. That's why he tells us, leave our Name cares of worries in his throne. Get along and keep on going. But mm-hmm. don't allow the darts of the enemy to stop you. From being mm-hmm. who God has called you to be. Like, we all are blessed. We all got a time in our life. Which yes. one did you go live? Are you going to yeah. live their assignment? Or are you going to live the assignment for you? And I refuse to go back. Mm-hmm. I refuse. I'm not. I, I, I can't. I, I can't. No. All, like, you know, all you do is creating pro- more problems for yourself. And you wonder why nobody want to be around you. Oh, because my God. Yes. You're angry. <laughs> and you're bitter. Yes. And you're holding on to what you shouldn't be holding on to. And you wonder why nobody be, don't want to be around you. Well, if every minute of your day is just somebody did this or this and that, this and that. Well, that's not a problem with them. That's or a problem even with hurting others. Yes. You know, when you keep hurting people. You know, yeah. it's not the fact that you trying to be distant stay away from people and all this and that. You are... But at the same time, my well-being, my peace, my, and, and everything else, mess with me. yeah, it, it has it has something to do with me yeah. on how what, who I want to be surrounded by. Yeah. But that, that also goes to people are living for other people and not for them. Yes. And a lot of people's problems come from another person. Mm-hmm. And it, it could be a person that they just feel some kind of way about. They don't even know them. But you just don't like them just because how they do this or yeah. how they do that. Yeah. But why don't you like you for you not to be liking that person? Are they doing something that you that want you to do? do? <laughs> you right. know, is, is it some, you know, that's something personal. I just had to think I had to block everybody on Facebook that I felt was getting, doing more than me. Not block them. I, I know what you them. mean. Because it wasn't them. It was something inside of me. Mm-hmm. something that I wanted that I probably felt that they got before me or you know I'm not where I want to be but they you know they're in that position and Lord told me what that he said stop block that mm-hmm. I follow them you watching somebody else's stuff and you can't even watch what I have for you mm-hmm. you're looking at somebody else's stuff but you have yet to receive and when I'm telling you I start unfollowing people and I start seeing everything that <laughs> that was for me and doors I just start opening up. It will. And I'm like, oh, but that's all it was was because I'm looking at somebody else's life instead of looking at my life. Like yeah, but say it's time, like her. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. your life. Mm-hmm. It's your life. Stop looking at everybody else's their stuff. Their time is their time. Yeah, your your time, time is yours right. for you. Right. And that's where everybody gotta like focus on you. Yeah. Like, do you yeah. stay in your lane? Yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> People don't understand. They yes, don't you, have, you have to. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. What is something real encouraging that you could tell other women? Um, first, the first thing I got to say is, um, and I don't know, people might not be a believer, but I'm, I, I know who I am. And, mm-hmm. I Jesus and that's Christ. all that matters. Yeah, so the first thing I would say is build a relationship with and let him build you in his image. And then let go of the past and walk into the future. And know that you are you are who God has called you to be. You are beautiful. You are bright. You are a woman of God. Um, there's somebody out there that God has positioned for you. And favor is on your life. Um, and don't let your trials of yesterday stop you from walking in the promises of tomorrow. 
Mm-hmm. God's mercies is new every day. So, and just believe in yourself. Believe in yourself and allow God to take you to another level in Him. Now, that, that's some words right there. Y'all better listen to that <laughs> and take heed of it. Um, so I would like to let everyone thank you for tuning in to Life Her Podcast, where we help heal women all over the world. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Life Her Podcast, as well as Facebook. And we also have a website, lifeherpodcast.com, to listen to other podcast episodes and purchase Life Her merchandise. I am Yvette Lloyd. I am Life Her. Love yourself, ladies. Love y'all. Love y'all.